0: Guys, we're, we're continuing this morning in our Multiply uh, series that we've been uh, going through in the book of Acts, and we're looking at the um, just the relevance of the book of Acts and how it speaks to us in our day and our time, uh, just as it did in the early church. Um, so if I can invite you uh, to, to turn... Uh, to your, your, the Bibles, there's Bibles in the, the pews, it's on page 1112, uh, 1, or you might look it up on your, your, uh, your phone, or however you're following along uh, with God's Word, We're reading from Acts chapter 16 uh, today. I'm going to read from verses 16 to 36, and uh, there's so much going on in here um, that I had to just really pray all week, and before that even, Lord, what do you want me to bring out of this, and what do you want me uh, to leave unsaid from the front today. But God is going to be speaking uh, through all these verses in many different ways and meeting different people in different ways. So uh, we want to just pray that we're open to whatever He wants to say to us collectively and to each of us individually this morning. So let's pray as we turn to God's Word. Father God, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit with us in this place and always with us as we turn to Your Word. We thank you that you speak to us by your Spirit. We thank you that you speak to us by your living Word. So, Father, as we read your Word together, we pray that you would give us ears to hear whatever it is that you want to say to us this morning, to say to us individually, to say to us collectively as your people. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Lord, speak for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're reading from uh, uh, Acts 16, uh, verse 16, and and, and Dr. Luke records this as he's traveling with uh, Paul and Silas. And the the, the little uh, title at the top of this uh, passage is Paul and Silas in prison. It says this. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer... "'Rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. "'He then brought them out and asked, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' "'They replied, "'Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. "'You and your household.' "'Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him "'and to all the others in his house. "'At that hour of the night the jailer took them "'and washed their wounds. "'Then immediately he and all his household were baptized.' The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. Well, as we journey on with uh, our intrepid first century missionary brothers, Paul and Silas, we find them here today in chapter 16 in a bit of a tight spot. In, in a bit of a tight spot, to say the least, they're, they're really actually caught in the middle of a perfect storm, aren't they? Did you follow it as they went? They're lynched by a mob. They're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten with rods. They're severely flogged. They're thrown in jail into the inner cell and their feet are shackled in the stocks. Paul and Silas are taking a bit of a battering, a bit of a bruising. They're caught in the midst of this storm. And I wonder as we journey on into this new year, are you sitting here this morning or if you're watching this service online, is everything rosy in your garden? Or like many, are you at this time perhaps feeling a little bit battered, a little bit bruised? in the midst of a storm or you can see a gathering storm coming your way you see it could be that you're dealing with a bereavement or an illness a strained relationship or a family dispute loneliness or injustice financial difficulties or unemployment disappointment or disillusionment fear or frustration of one kind or another over oh, the storms of life, they come to us, don't they? They come to us uninvited. They come to us whether we like it or not. But I believe, I believe that as we spend a few moments here in these verses this morning, that God has something important and something foundational to tell us, to remind us of today. For us to take into the year ahead. To help us to deal with those trials and, and, and tribulations that, that we're either currently going through or that will inevitably come our way. You see, in this unfolding, in this unfolding event in chapter sixteen that we've read this morning, we see a particular situation in a particular setting and time. But but in this passage there are some important biblical principles for us that apply to God's people at all times and in all places. And in here we see Paul and Silas take a journey from, from pain to peace, upheld by the preserving power of God. From pain to peace. Upheld by the preserving power of God. You see, we see in in these verses a few things that Paul and Silas did that that helped them to tap into, to, to be aware of, to experience that great preserving power, and we'll look at those things in a moment. But, folks, the overarching and first thing that God wants us to see in these verses today is this Our God saves. Our God saves. And part of his act of saving is that he never lets go. He never lets go. We see it illustrated in these, in, these, in, these, in, these, in these verses. Verse 26, it tells us, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, here God is demonstrating His great saving and preserving power over Paul and Silas, over his people, over all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this story, we see the power of of, of God keeping Paul and Silas. We see him holding his people, holding his saints in his grip of grace. His grip of grace. Acts 16, you see, is one of those places where we find an illustration for that great biblical doctrine. One of the five points of Calvinism, the preservation of the saints. The preservation of the saints. And and using here the the biblical definition of the word saint, that is everyone who has trusted in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. It's not just those guys that made it onto the stained glass windows, okay? It's everyone who believes in Jesus. It's you and me. That's the biblical definition of a saint. And this doctrine is so important for us. It's sometimes called the perseverance of the saints or the believer's eternal security or once saved, always saved. But to understand this this principle, we must first be absolutely clear about how we are saved. How we are saved from sin and from death and from the punishment that our sins deserve. You see, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's so much in here. We are saved by grace. That is completely unearned, completely undeserved gift. We are saved by grace and we are saved by God. You see, we did not save ourselves. God saves us. And it's not because of anything that we have done or anything that we will ever do. He saves us. No, he saves us just because he loves us. He saves us just because he loves us. Not because of anything we can bring. And that's what we mean by grace. Just because he loves us. And you see, we are 100%. The Bible tells us we are 100% safe in our salvation. Because we might ask, can we lose our salvation? What's saved? No, the Bible says, listen, Paul writing to the Romans answers our question for us. He says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what Paul writes to the church. And Jesus speaking himself, he says in John 10, of our complete security of his people, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them what? Eternal life. I give them eternal life. He goes on, he says, they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. You see, folks, we have this wonderful assurance that no one can separate us from the love of God and no thing can separate us from the love of God. We are eternally safe and secure in His mighty grip of grace. Speaking in John 5, 24, we, we, we get another evidence for this. Jesus says, very truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. They will not be judged, but they have crossed over from death to life. You see, notice that eternal life is not something that we get in the future. It's something That as soon as we trust in Jesus, as soon as we believe, we receive from Him. We receive from Him the gift of eternal life. And when does eternal end? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't. You see, by its very nature, eternal lasts forever. Or I might use another illustration from a... A verse that we often read coming up to Christmas. You know, in John 1, it tells us to those who received him, to those who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I just love this verse. It's. Oh. John peaks, in a sense, with this verse right at the very start of his gospel. Because to use that as an illustration in a human family I am a child of my parents and whilst ideally we want to be on the best possible terms with our parents in the best relationship with our parents even with the most strained of relationships we can never be anything other than a child of our mother and father. You see we are born to them we cannot be unborn to them. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. If we have received Jesus and believed in His name, then we've been born into God's family. His Spirit is living in us. And we can never not be a child of God. You see, we may be prodigal. We may be disobedient. We may be an unfaithful child of God. But we are always, we are always a child of God. And he is the faithful one. He is the faithful one. You see, and ultimately, praise God, your security and mine, thankfully, is not dependent on our faithfulness to him, but on his faithfulness to us. On his faithfulness to us, and he is the faithful one. And you know, this eternal security of the believer is is an integral part of the good news of the gospel. Jesus insisted that the gospel is good news. Sometimes we might hear various things or various aspects or elements of what people would try and promote as the gospel, and it just doesn't sound like good news to us. But the gospel that Jesus came to bring, he insisted it was good news. In Luke 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. And Luke 9, it tells us that the disciples set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news. You see, if I had to save myself, that would not be good news. If I had to keep myself safe and saved, that would not be good news. Because I cannot do it. I am a weak, sinful, fallen human being. Helpless. But the reason that the gospel is good news is because it's God who does it. It's because it's God who does it all. Our God saves. That's what he does. That's his whole mission. That's his whole mission. That's why he came from heaven to earth. That's why he died on a cross for our sins. That's why he rose again from the dead to give us life Life in all its fullness, eternal life. The good news, our God saves. You see, he seeks us by his grace. He saves us by his grace. And he keeps us by his grace. This is the wonderfully glorious good news of the gospel. So this is the truth of the the biblical doctrine of the preservation of the saints. And this truth is illustrated for us here as God preserves Paul and Silas through the most challenging of situations. And that's why we as God's children today, we can sing with humility and confidence through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. In every high and every low, oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go. Of me. Of us. God preserved Paul and Silas then. He preserves us now. God preserves the saints. And so this is the big overarching doctrinal truth. Of this particular event that we've just read about. And it's really important and foundational for us. That God wants us to know this. And to remind us of it today. And for the days ahead. So in this event God preserves his people. God does it all. But we also see that there are some things that Paul and Silas, as they weather the storm, there are some things that they can do that helps them to be aware of, to tap into, to experience this great preserving power of God. So what are the conduits through which the power of God flows to us and is at work in the midst of the storm? Well, firstly, look, verse 16. When we were going to the place of prayer, when we We experience the preserving power of God through partnerships. You see, if there's anything that we notice about the Christians in the book of Acts, it is that they never are operating on their own. They're always operating with other Christians in community and at the very least in pairs with a partner. And there's real strength in that. We will want to do the same. God's people in the Bible are always on a mission with partners with others right from Genesis where Genesis 2 where God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And he made Eve a partner for him. They partnered together on their mission together. We see God's people working and witnessing with partners throughout scripture, Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Aaron, uh, Jonathan and David, Peter and Andrew, James and John through to our first missionaries here, Paul and Silas. Partners, and it's not always a husband or a wife, but it's always a fellow believer. Paul was was never married as far as we we can gather, but he was always working in partnership with with other Christians. And we will want to do likewise. You see, there is power in partnership because God at his very core is a partnership. He's a partnership of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are most like God and operating most in his power when we're partnering with other Christians. So let me encourage you to build partnerships to work on teamwork. Speaking personally, for a moment I guess that's why it's, uh, it's been such a privilege to, to work as an associate minister here at Orangefield. Ken and Gary, or Gareth and Gary, were not exactly Paul and Silas. But, <laughs> believe me, but, but I've always appreciated the the teamwork, the, the value, the importance, the strength in working with partners in teamwork, in ministry, and mission. I benefit too from the partners that I have in a small group that I attend. The, the company of pastors, a group of East Belfast ministers that meets once a fortnight to, to share and, and pray and encourage one another in the, in the work. So let me encourage you, if you haven't already, folks, if you haven't already, to develop a partnership in ministry and mission join a home group do life with other Christians because really actually teamwork does make the dream work so one of the ways that we are aware of the experience of the great preserving power of God is when we are in partnership with others how else do we become aware of that power well verse 25 it tells us here about midnight Paul and Silas were praying they were praying We experience the preserving power of God through prayer. And you don't need me to tell you that that prayer is one of the ways that we connect with God and allow His power to flow to us and through through us. Prayer is the Christian's oxygen. It's like the breath of God that goes into our lungs and, and into our lives. Paul well understood the power of prayer. In one of the very shortest verses in the Bible, two words, he says, pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray continually. Now, this is not that we're to walk around or drive around with our eyes closed all the time. But it is about maintaining an awareness of God's presence. An attitude of prayer. And there will be times, of course, in our day when we will want to spend times in, in focused prayer as well. We see it here in verse 16. It tells us here that Paul and Silas were on their way to the place of prayer. You see, there was a specific place of prayer and a specific time of prayer. Paul and Silas understood the necessity of meeting with other believers in a particular place and at a particular time. And so too will we. Right here every Sunday morning at 10.30, every Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, and on the first and third Wednesdays in the month at 7.30. Let me encourage you, invite you to along to these set times of prayer in a set place of prayer. And alongside these corporate times of prayer, we will, of course, uh, want to have our own private and personal uh, times of prayer, devotions, quiet times. The biblical pattern, of course, will be morning and evening, following that pattern of worship in the temple. And and during at least one of these times of prayer, we might want to make our our devotions a little bit more structured. We might want to use some of the, the great resources that are out there online or in hard copy that are available to us. At the beginning of the, the current church year, in, uh, at the beginning of Advent, I, I started using Shane Claiborne's Common Prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. It looks like a big, fat book, but it's a big writing and lots of spaces, so I'm not necessarily holier than now just because I have a big, fat prayer book. But I will say, a prayer book can be a great resource for us in our times of prayer. A book, or online, lots of resources online. And then there's this simple plea or declaration of prayer of thanksgiving or a plea for help that can be made at any time. Here's the guys in the middle of the night. Paul and Silas were praying at midnight. So we become aware of the preserving power of God through partnership, through prayer. And thirdly and finally for this morning, we read in verse 25, we continue, it says, about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We experience the preserving power of God through praise. Now, we might not always feel like praising God, like singing his praise. But let me ask you Paul and Silas, lynched, stripped, beaten, shackled in prison at midnight, do you think they felt like singing? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. But what they knew, they knew that if there is one thing that can release the power of God, it is the praise of God. If there is one thing that can release the power of God, it is the praise of God. The psalmist tells us that the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. And so God is somehow more present in power when we praise him than when we don't. It's as simple as that. Do we want to experience more of the power of God in our lives and in our world? Then let's take a leaf out of Paul and Silas' book. Let us sing hymns to God. Again, personally speaking, it's one of those things that helped to sustain me during lockdown. During lockdown, as part of my daily devotions, I I, I sang a hymn every morning and every evening. I sang outside of those times as well, of course, because I I enjoy singing. But I made a point to include a praise, an item of praise in my daily devotions. My quiet times weren't so quiet anymore. In fact, I I sang my way through the complete mission praise over the course of that not-so-nice time that we had. Since then, I've kept up the habit because I think it's a good one. I'm now halfway through the Irish Presbyterian hymnal. <laughs> and I've got lots of other hymn books that, that I've gathered up that some people don't seem to want anymore. But but of course, you can easily get your hands on a hymn book or on an online resource. You just type it in there, whatever songs you know are coming to mind and up they come on the screen. And then we don't always feel like it and we, we don't always feel like it's our cup of tea but look, these guys can do this after what they had gone through and in the middle of the circumstances it struck me at midnight in the very darkest moment of this whole journey that they were on they were praising God they were praising God and God moved in power God moved in power it was then that the, gate, that the foundations shook and the, the doors opened, wasn't it? So just as I finish, we become aware of, we experience God's great preserving power as we partner with others, as we pray and as we praise Him. And sometimes God doesn't take us, He doesn't lift us out of the storm. Sometimes the prison doors don't fly open. John the Baptist can testify to that. But even in those moments and in those days when the doors don't open, God is with us through the storm, through the valley. And there is still the opportunity through this the partnership and prayer and praise, there is still this great opportunity for connection and encounter with Him, for spiritual growth and for witness to others. Notice that you say, I love it says there as well that they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. As they were praising God, they were witnessing to the other prisoners. And as, God's, and as, as the jailer saw that God, that God at work, he too, he saw, and he believed, he and his family. God doesn't always lift us up out of the storm, but he does always accompany us through it. He has us. He has us. And we always journey on, folks, we always journey on ever looking forward to that wonderful day when he shall come or call. In the words of the hymn that we will sing in praise and commitment in a moment, with every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will. He will bring me home. And day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. So brothers and sisters, this is God's message to us here this morning. The bottom line is this. He does it all. He seeks us by his grace. He saves us by his grace. He keeps us by his grace. Until... We stand with joy before the throne forever and ever. Amen. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. And let's take a moment in God's presence and in the silence of our own hearts to respond to whatever it is he's been saying to us and doing amongst us personally, individually this morning. Father, we thank you for these words that you have spoken to us this morning. We thank you for this story that you've shared and for what you've shown us from it. And so, Father, if there there is anyone here this morning who isn't yet a Christian, who hasn't yet believed in the Lord Jesus, we pray that even now you would give them the, the courage and the faith to say yes to him. That they might confess their need of forgiveness. Confess their need of a Savior. And a Lord for their lives. And that they would receive you in, Father. Receive Jesus in by his Spirit. And for all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful truth. That you give us today. That our God saves So help us, Father, to live in the joy of our salvation. To live knowing that that you have saved us by your grace. And that you keep us by your grace. We pray these things with thanksgiving for your glory. In the power of the Spirit. And in Jesus' precious name. Amen.